Hello and welcome to our Belmont Stakes Day Pick 6 show. And among the great jobs that producer AJ does was uh, picking the song that he could find, the royalty-free song that he could find that was closest to smoke on the water, most appropriate for today in the New York City area where we are being smoked out. Though I have to say, it looks like the wind may have just turned and I'm hoping it can all blow out to sea and we're going to be okay for all three days of this Belmont Stakes Racing Festival, which is meant to kick off tomorrow, Thursday. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, coming to you from the Brooklyn Salon up here upstairs uh, in the house in Brooklyn. Very excited to be talking to you all about this all grade one Belmont Day pick six and very pleased to be joined by two of the folks that I most want to speak with when it comes to anything uh, related to New York racing. And we'll start off by introducing the legend, the man who's been such an incredible help to me and so many horse players through his handicapping advice, through his horse player advocacy. He is a, a, a true Hall of Famer. He is Stephen Christ. Stephen, how are you doing tonight? Just great, Pete. Welcome. The uh, The sky has been orange most of the day here on Long Island. I'm about five miles from Belmont, but it's now gray. I've never been so excited by a gray sky. Uh, I wouldn't bet that we're definitely racing tomorrow, but we should be fine Friday and Saturday. Fingers crossed. I know some tracks have in my view, jump the gun, canceling tomorrow already. That does put a little bit of extra pressure on Belmont. We'll see. I hope so. It's a good stakes-laden card tomorrow. JK and I will be back, whether or not they run from 4 to 5, right here on YouTube. Uh, it's meant to be our first horse player happy hour of the year. It may turn into more of a Friday type of a preview, since we're going to cover Saturday pretty thoroughly tonight. I already uh, let the cat out of the bag for folks who are listening to who the other guest is here. He's back from Italy. He is a married man. He is Jonathan Kenshin. What's up, JK? I'm back. Yeah, it was uh, it's a hard place to leave. I got to be honest with you. If it wasn't <laughs> for a lot of different for, reasons, it's a hard place yeah. to leave. Yeah, if it wasn't for the Belmont Stakes, I probably would have stuck around a little bit longer. But uh, we, we had a blast. We, we did a little Italy. Uh, we did a little London. We saw Beyonce, and then uh, and then we made it back. So uh, um, everyone else in the family is like jet lagged and sick. But for someone who flies seventeen times a month, uh, I feel like a million dollars. You have a special gift that, that I've noticed, especially for somebody with a relatively small child. I mean, I've known you now for eight years, and I, I'm not sure I've ever seen you sick. Yeah, I mean. I, I mean, I, you know, look, I wash my hands a lot. I'm not like an over the top germaphobe, but like I, you know, I wash my hands a lot. Um, but I also think that like this, I think this kills a lot. Of it <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure but, the doctors watching or approving of this particular uh, medication uh, message. I've, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate. So. Guys, we have so much great racing over the course of the next three days, but certainly I think the highlight is this all grade one pick six on Saturday. And that's where we're going to begin with the grade one Ogden Phipps for Phillies and Mares, four-year-old and up, going a mile and a 16th on the dirt. Steve, I'd love to bring you in first for your opinion of this one. Are we looking at a match between Secret Oath and Clarier, or is it more complicated than that? Well, I think it's more complicated than that because I, I think search results has a big chance in this race. I thought she ran great off the layoff, uh, you know, to be beaten less by uh, less than length by played hard and secret oath. Chad Brown's horses tend to improve sharply second time back off the layoff. Uh, so to me, uh, she's right there with secret oath and Clarier. Uh, sort of in my ABC way of looking at things, uh, search results in Clarier are my A's. Uh, Secret Oath is a B. Can't see anyone else winning the race. How about you, Jonathan? Is, is it those three for you? I mean, we have our, our old friend pass the champagne in, her, in here. She ran great last time in the Ruffian. Can she maybe try to serve it up to some of these more famous names? Um, you know, I mean, she ran fast last time, you know. 
uh, and a horse to come back and, and, and won out of that race as well. So that fast figure, I think you can kind of trust a little bit. But the thing with Pastor Champagne is I think they kind of found out what her style is. And I think her style is uh, kind of to, to, to try to make one run. If you make the lead too early with her, it's problematic. And I think the pace could be a problem for her. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I, I like, you know, I tell people all the time, I've seen significantly worse eight to one shots win races like this. I, I think she is a better horse than she's kind of shown in her last, you know, three or four starts prior to her last start. Um, I wouldn't be shocked at all, but you know, she's got some monsters in here to deal with. I, I agree with Steve on, on search results and, and she looks like she could be loose in here. We'll have to see what the, the three horse, the, 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 the mid Atlantic shipper that showed up at 50 to one, what they try to do from a, from a, a pace situation. Um, let's not forget search results likes Belmont park. Not only does she like Belmont, she's won here twice. Uh, the, the time that she got third here arguably was one of her best races. And that was a race in which she got hooked with Latruska. And after that race, talking to Chad Brown, he was furious at IRAD. The instructions were do not hook Latruska until the eighth pole. Do not hook Latruska until the eighth pole. And IRAD thought he said the three eighths pole because <laughs> he hooked him at the three eighths. He didn't really think that, but it, it, it and she That's ran outstanding. Like. And she just got ran down by two amazing horses in Clarier and Malathot. I think search results moves up on this racetrack. The configuration, I think, kind of fits what she likes. I think that if they that, that, that if they can find the front end with Flavian, I think she could be tough to beat. I don't need secret oath. If Clarier is in the race, I don't need secret oath. I'll say that for the rest of this year and probably next year if she shows back up. Clarier will probably go be a mom. But I, I don't need them. I don't need both of them. I think Clarier is a superior horse. And I think if a situation works out and sets up for Clarier or for secret oath, it'll set up for Clarier as well. Um, I'm tempted to just use secret, uh, to just use Clarier and, and search results in this spot, maybe with a saver on past the champagne. Cause if she gets her picture taken, it's surely going to be with me involved. Um, I'm going to use Clarier as kind of my, my kind of pressed up a, a little bit, just cause I think she's a better horse. I think search results deserves to be an A as well. And then I'll use pass the champagne as a B. If uh, D Wayne Lucas and, and secret oath win, then I'll be playing the pick five back. There you go. And it'd be a great story and certainly be clapping her to the winner's circle, but I see it and we'll probably bet it similarly. JK. I think Clarier is the pressed up a search results feels like needs to be used as a backup in this spot. I'm going to look to get out uh six, two and, and I'll be, I'll be thrilled to be wrong. If pass the champagne wins and, and, uh, you know, clapping our friends in for that result as well. Let's pivot to the grade one Woody Stevens. I think one of the most interesting races in this sequence. We've got these three-year-olds going seven furlongs on the dirt. And JK, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, th this one's tough. Um, just because like all of me, all of me, all of my being, every little inch of my body wants to do what most people think I'm going to say I want to do which is single Arabian lion cutting back a horse that probably didn't want to be going two turns in the first place, but has kind of gutted out a couple of really good performances despite that. So now what's going to happen when the horse cuts back, it makes me, it just makes me itch thinking about Byron, right? Like this is like a Byron all over again, Byron finally getting that chance to go a little bit shorter and what he did frosted um, in the Met mile and what he did it, just when they get the chance to when they were when they were doing well doing what they shouldn't be doing and they get to do what they're gonna they should be doing it, it's always you know uh, the, an opportunity for an unbelievable performance i'm going to key arabian line and i'm going to play with the arabian line a little bit extra kind of that pressed a situation we talk about Pete where you come back and maybe open up another ticket maker and just use arabian lion but i don't want a single Arabian line as an A, because I think General Jim's kind of found his home around one turn. Fort Bragg, I thought, ran extremely well last time after breaking a little bit slow back into Baffert's care. And then Drew's gold, uh, you know, connections that, that, uh, that, that don't match up, quote-unquote, with the Todd Pletchers and the Chads and the Brad Coxes and the Bob Bafferts, but this Drew's gold looks like a real serious horse. And I, I love outside draws and one turn races where you can kind of dictate, see what's going on, see what everyone else is doing to the inside of you. I got to have Drew's gold on there as well. So um, 
I'm going to use those three horses, Arabian Lion, General Jim, or excuse me, four horses, um, Fort Bragg, Andrews Gold. But I will also use the B horse, the, the inside horse, New York Thunder, who's been running on synthetic and on turf, but has extremely fast numbers. It's a Nyquist drawn towards the inside, undefeated with tactical speed. I won't let this horse knock me out. Not going to use them equally to the other ones. Still has some things to prove, but I will use the horse as a B horse. I get that approach in here for sure. I was going to play it with the Pat Day Mile as the key form line. I really like the setup that General Jim is going to get. I think Fort Bragg is very, very interesting, especially with a more, some, some, well, with some patient handling with the idea that Arabian Lion would go forward of the Baffert pair. I think Fort Bragg could get a perfect trip. And I don't hate Gilmore either, the horse that ran third in there and was making up some nice ground late. I might try to get away messing around with those three, the four, 12, and eight, with the idea that Arabian Lion, I hear what you're saying, Jonathan, but I wonder if running farther, now facing the sprint speed, looking at a pace map and how far the horse is projected to be just on the raw pace figures, I don't know. I, he might be a, a favorite to oppose as far as I'm concerned. Steve, break the tie on Arabian Lion. Are you with or against? I'm very much with. Uh, this is a horse who ran a better race than the Preakness. I mean, he, he ran a faster race than the Preakness on, on the same card. Uh, I, I love the turn back with him. I think there's a lot of iffy speed in the race. Uh, and if the race comes apart, uh, I, you know, I, I just think he's better than these horses. Having said that, I'm terrified of Drew's gold. I'll, I'll be using him because his last race was freaky good. And, you know, as you said, Jim Chapman is, is not in the uh, top tier of trainers, but he's seen good horses before. He trained caller one and yeah. he said Drew's gold is better than caller one, uh, which, you know, when he said it before the last race, I kind of rolled my eyes. He, he really ran a great race. And like you, I like, you know, the idea of a big speed horse with an outside draw. I'm not going to be shocked at all if, if he just, you know, runs this field off his feet. Uh, those two are my keys. I'm a little against the Pat Day mile uh, because I think the figure, just like I think the figure for the Kentucky Derby on the same card, is way too high. I don't think, you know, so many horses ran 10-point tops out of nowhere. And you could argue that both of those races, the fig is a little high. Uh, and to my mind, Fort Bragg ran a lot better than General Jim. So he's the one I want out of that race. And if General Jim's really going to be a 3-1 to favorite, I'm willing to let him beat me. Excellent. I love that kind of discourse. It's going to be fun to see how it plays out on Saturday in the Woody Stevens. The grade one action continues with the Jiper up next. Six furlongs on the turf. We've got a big full field. And I suppose the biggest story heading into this race is Caravelle. Interestingly, was originally meant to be pointed to Royal Ascot off the last race. They've quite sensibly, I think, decided to go for the domestic grade one in the Jiper. My question about her, Steve, is can we trust her to reproduce this form that she's been showing at five and a half, going a truly run six furlongs at Belmont? Where are you with Caravelle, Steve? Well, I, I guess I'm allowed to talk about this race. I'm not allowed to bet on it uh, other than my own horse. Uh, we're running Thin White Duke in this race. He's 30 to one in the line. He probably isn't far off. Uh, but, uh, so that takes me out of betting the pick six, the late pick five, everything else probably saved me some money. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Um, I I'm looking to beat Caravelle. I mean, selfishly, I hope there's a monstrous pace in this race and that seven of them go for the lead and they're all running sideways. And at the 16th ball, here comes thin white Duke. But I do think that Caravelle has really, I, I still have no idea how she ended up alone on the lead in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Uh, it was just amazing to me. Uh, actually, that's happened in a couple of the turf sprints this year uh, as well. And that horse at Pimlico, uh, who won on Preakness Day, Nobles, uh, we'll call him for the sake <laughs> of propriety. Uh, you know, there is a child, there's at least one child listening. So I appreciate that, Steve. Oh, good, good. Uh, it's about the children. <laughs> I do think that one of these 
turfs wins it's got to come up at a lot of speed and i'm i'm hoping not just for our sake but it'll make it a far more interesting wagering race if caravel does not get loose having said that there's one really good closer in this race and that's casa creed i mean he i have really gotten to admire the source over the last couple of years he's good anywhere from six furlongs to a mile he's probably got the best closing kick of anyone in the field and uh He's the one I'd be afraid of. Very, very interesting. Jonathan, how about you? I know you're a big fan of Caravelle in general. Do you think this is a spot where she's going to return to the winner's circle? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a huge Caravelle fan. I mean, I, I uh, when our friend Jake Ballas of Black Type Thoroughbreds uh, attempted to purchase her, um, um, and he he lost out to Bobby Flay, and and and, and I even – was a fan and, and I encouraged Bobby. I thought she was going to be extremely, extremely good. I thought she, I, on, I was on the show on that summer saying she was going to win the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. She didn't win it that year. She won it the next year. I wasn't involved. And JK then off. obviously, JK off was the angle. JK off, exactly. And then I'm obviously going to root for the Maroon. Shout out to uh, Qatar Racing. And I love her. And I, 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 there's not a human in this world, I'm convinced of it, that has singled her more than I have in multi race bets. <laughs> I love her. I, I, I singled her. I, I, I trust her as well. Going shorter, going five, going five and a half. I trust her immensely. I got to say, I don't trust her in the spot. Um, it's, it's just a little bit more that she's going to have to deal with. And she's going to have a little bit better running at her late. Um, I'm not crazy about the audible. I, I, I had no conversation with the team, but you know, I, I feel like, you know, I don't know if Brad was just like, hey, look, let's just stay here. But she's she's drawn outside. So she's at least going to be two or three wide, I would think. She, you know, nothing better um, is fast. I, I just, I can't see her getting over and clearing. If she does clear going six against these horses, she probably went too fast. So she's really going to go a true, true, true six with losing some ground too. Um, I, I, I'm going to do it a little sexier than I'm going to say I'm doing it here. I'm going to be a little bit more efficient, but I'm essentially going to single big invasion. Um, I'm going to use some savers. I'm going to play defensively with horses like Casa Creed. I'm going to play defensively with Caravelle and nothing better in case they get loose. I'm going to play defensively with, with Chad's horse, Dr. Zempf, um, who I know that he liked prior in that lace at Keeneland, but I, I'm going to basically build everything very aggressively through Big Invasion. When Big Invasion was a three-year-old, I thought that there was a chance that Big Invasion was actually better than Golden Pal. I thought he was the best turf sprinter as a three-year-old last year. I was very excited to see him running the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. That didn't work out. And then let's remember what's happened to him in his two starts this year. He goes the flat five at Gulfstream. And anyone who's ever played Gulfstream knows that closers need every possible thing to go their way going a flat five. He wins going the flat five at Gulfstream, which is basically impossible, off of a layoff, first start off of a layoff, first start as a four-year-old. Then he comes back at tw- in, in, the, in the race at Churchill Downs, and he just gets absolutely buried. I have no idea what Joel was doing, but what I've learned about Joel is Joel not paying attention can, can lead to some frustrating moments. And we all kind of as horse players know that, but Joel paying attention, there's no one better in the country. And I think you're going to get a Joel paying attention ride based on the ride. Last time you're going to get pace to close into. He likes it at Belmont park. His style fits Belmont park and he's going to get six furlongs to work with. I, I love big invasion on Saturday. He's kind of my build my entire day around type of horse. I was hoping I could be clever making the exact big invasion case that you just made. And JK, I have to say, with as you discussed Joel's ride on big invasion at Churchill from May 6th, you may just have a future in politics the way you, you, you described that one. It was, oh, it was, well, I saw, it was funny enough, I saw Dean Reeves the next Two days later, I saw Dean Reeves in Saratoga. He was in town for a New York bread thing, and I saw him outside of Salivo, and he wasn't very happy either. <laughs> I think Big Invasion is as good as we think he is. I really like him. I really like Kaza Creed. I'm going to play it that way and, and hope for the best. I will probably 
throw in some sort of savor with Caravelle on the thought, you know, she's so good, best of speed. I'll be, even if it messes, even if I'm upside down in any picks, I'll be clapping her back as well. Such a cool. Don't, cool, don't leave uh, out the Duke. He's doing well. And, and you know, the Duke <laughs> has to be on every ticket because we'll never live it down. Any special insight on, on, on him, Steve? I mean, it's an ambitious spot, but I mean, obviously on his best day, he's not too far behind these. No, I mean, we almost caught Golden Pal at Saratoga when, you know, a race came apart a little bit at the end. Uh, I mean, he's a, a textbook deep closer. Uh, he's pace dependent, uh, you know, certainly running against this level of horses. Uh, all I can tell you is he should be at his best third off the layoff. First two paceless races in the comeback just weren't his, but uh, I, I think there will be speed. Got to be all over in terms of the verticals, and I'm not going to split any hairs. I'll be covering the on-top scenario as well. Race number 10 is the Met Mile. Grade one action, of course, going, of course, one mile. We've got this field of nine. Not exactly the field. You know, we, we, we this is one of those races you can always sort of dream cast a blue sky to have a few other participants. It's interesting. The way it comes up here, obviously, Cody's wish going to be a heavy favorite once again. JK, is he a heavy favorite? You can, along with a horse like Big Invasion for you, key your day around, or do you need to get a little spready in here? I mean, he's just so darn good. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, based on the fact that I'm going to try to, I'm going to have some tickets with just Big Invasion on them, I, 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 I can't, I can't let some other interesting horses in this race cost me the big invasion opinion if it goes right. Right. So yes, I, I'm going to press up the heck out of Cody's wish. He'll be a kind of a powerful a for me. Um, you know, he might even be that press a where you kind of run another, run another sequence with him just singled, but Dr. Shival, um, I, you know, I think speed is dangerous in these races. You know, these are the types of horses, the type of horse that beats Cody's wish is the type of horse that Cody's wish doesn't catch not a horse that's going to run with Cody's wish, a closer. I, I, I don't necessarily see that. Um, so, I, you know, Dr. Scheibel is one that I want. Charge It, you know, is another one who's shown a, a, an immense amount of talent um, and, and just hasn't really run that fast, but I could see him kind of jumping up, getting back to Belmont. Um, Repo Rocks, I, you know, look, I, 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 the race he ran four back was outstanding. Then he kind of went weird for a couple of races. Then he kind of got fast again. I can't let that horse wire me. Um, I made a joke after the toboggan that if he runs that race again, all the rest of the horses are running for second in the mile. Can't let him beat me. Um, and then Zandon, just, just another horse that I've always thought would appreciate the cutback. And I understand that on – and I'm not saying that what Zandon has done in his last couple of starts are, are, are why I think he can win this race. With Zandon, I think he can win because of the talent he showed at three. And this could be one of those moments at four where he kind of puts it all together. And if he could put it all together, I think he could take a big step forward and run a number that can win versus this group. Um, but like I said, those will all be kind of defensive moves. I, I think Cody's uh, wish is going to be hard to beat. It's a tough draw for him to the inside, but you know they should run away from him a little bit. and He should be able to kind of work out his own trip. I agree. And I think Zandon is, for me, the interesting one. This is a horse for a long time we've been talking about as one who could thrive around the one-turn mile configuration. And for me, the cigar mile in the slop in a race that didn't wasn't run to suit, I'm just not too worried about. And I feel like that Westchester has the look of a prep. I'm going to make my you know token top pick Zandon. I'll be playing plenty of Zandon and plenty of Cody's Wish. And of course, on the heart, it's all about Cody's Wish in this spot. Steve, how about you? How are you going to approach this year's Met Mile? Well, I mean, I'm certainly not going to take a big position against Cody's Wish. Uh, but I, I do think there are two other horses that can win the race. Uh, Charge It has immense talent. And the race that he ran at Belmont Park a year ago, uh, winning the Dwyer, uh, you know, was a, a historically fast race. He got a buyer of, I think, 123. Uh, he's got the talent. Maybe this is where he puts it together. The other horse who I, I like a lot and... Don't sell him short because of his connections and his past uh, is Repo Rocks. Uh, a couple of those races where Jonathan said he got weird and he got slow. 
he was being ridden by a guy who shouldn't be riding stakes horses. I mean, he got two of the worst rides, you know, I've seen this entire year. And last time when they just let him roll with a new rider, Ruben Silvero is back on him today. And he's been winning races at Belmont. He, he knows what he's doing. Uh, I think he absolutely has the ability. I mean, the way that, you know, he just dusted Zandon last time and was drawing away from him at the end, ran fast, nice outside draw. I think he can just sit off Dr. Scheibel, who isn't going to win a grade one race at the first time going beyond six furlongs. Uh, he's going to stop at some point, And I think Repo Rocks will be just there. Cody's wish is good enough to come and get him. Uh, but to, to me, those are my two A's, uh, Cody and Repo Rocks. I like the sound of it. Cody and Repo Rocks with a with a shout out uh, and, and a beeline opinion as well on on charge it. And I think that's an absolutely fair point about the the that ridiculously fast run charge it has over this course and distance. Definitely one to take more of a look at. We've had some really good questions along the way. I'm going to come back and we'll we'll do some of them at the end. We're going to keep rolling through, but pop your questions up there. Uh, in the chat if you're watching us live on YouTube. Obviously, this will be available as well via uh, the regular places you get the podcast. Subscribe to In The Money Media wherever you get your, your pods, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure to keep getting you great content. We'll also give you a little plug for our In The Money Plus service, inthemoneypodcast.com slash plus. You get little digests of all the picks from the free shows as well as extra content which we're going to be having plenty of for this Belmont Stakes Festival. Next up, race number 11, the grade one Manhattan. We're going a mile and a quarter, and we've got a field of 10 going postward in here. Steve, we'll, we'll keep this with you for this interesting clash between uh, the what seems like, at first blush anyway, the Appleby runners versus these uh, newly discovered uh, up to the mark for Todd Pletcher. Who do you like in this one? I hate to be a chalk-eating weasel, but I, I was super impressed with Up to the Marks win at Churchill. I mean, he just exploded. Uh, it was a wow race. It was fast. It got a big number. And, you know, if I were allowed to be playing the, the pick X's tomorrow, uh, he would be a single A, and I would use the two euros as B's. Um, I just don't think anyone else in the race is good enough. I mean, yeah, if a rock emperor you know, pulled something out of history and ran his very best race. I mean, maybe I'd use him as a C, just as insanity insurance. Uh, but I, I think up to the mark is the best American grass horse that we've seen in a while. It was a heck of a run last time and definitely one that uh, the the Appleby runners would, would have to improve on what we saw recently to compete with. But I do think there are stories you can tell about both of them. Warren Point maybe just moving a little bit too early last time and, and Ottoman Fleet having come out in May. We've seen these Appleby runners get better as these years go on, as the year goes on. I'm still kind of torn on this one. I mean, I think those are the three. I'm having trouble separating them in any intelligent way. JK, how about you? Do you have a strong preference in the Manhattan? Yeah, look, I agree. I think up to the mark is definitely, uh, you know, one that you have to, to trust. The, the, the figure was fast. It was impressive. It's Todd in, in New York, which I get Charlie Appleby's success, but it's Todd in New York and, like, I don't know who else do you really need other than Todd in New York, right? Chad <laughs> in New York. Uh, so I, I, I think that deserves some credit, right? Like you have to think about that. I will say this um, as far as the, the two Charlie Appleby runners, we'll start with the three Warren point point. I, I remember the beginning of that, that race, he broke extremely slow and it was like basically over then kind of middle moved into the race. We probably shouldn't have early, and then still kind of stayed on a little bit. Now, that race was at 11 furlongs. So a little bit more like a long-distance type of horse, it feels like the Charlie felt that horse was. And then Ottoman Fleet, this horse ran at nine furlongs last time. So and, and it was obviously very impressive, but the horse had a perfect trip. And he still didn't necessarily run as fast as up to the mark. I think people are going to go a little bit crazy over these two horses. And, and, and look, I, I'm not going to toss them. I think they can definitely win. But I think Steve's on to something. Although he kind of called himself a chalk-eating weasel by kind of leaning on up to the mark. Man, I, I, 
I think that if you, I think that it is significantly more gutsy to single up to the mark and toss the two Charlie Applebee's than it is to use the two Charlie Applebee's and toss the Todd. I think that I think that that I think that the singling of the Todd is a more gutsy move, and I actually think that you pick up a ton of equity if you can make that your decision to to lean on Todd. Because people in these turf races, especially, there's no Chads in here. Um, they're gonna just they're gonna just act like these two Charlie Appleby horses can't lose, and the paper doesn't suggest that that's the case. Um, and so. I'm only going to use those three horses in any type of iteration, but I'm going to, I'm going to lean heavily on, on Todd's horse up to the mark because he ran fast last time. And it's uh Todd in New York. <laughs> Chad does have these outsiders here, JK rock emperor and highest honors, but I, I presume you don't have much interest. Like, I mean, I love Chad, but like I said, I, there's no bricks and mortars in here. Right. Sorry, Saul. I think I think JK makes a, an important point about Warren Point. Uh, you know, if he's going to be two or three times the price of Ottoman Fleet, I think the public will be making a mistake. I mean, yeah, Ottoman Fleet's a little more accomplished at the group level. But, you know, as he said, I mean, if you watch their two races, Warren Point, after the poor start, just made a ridiculous premature middle move. So no shock he came up wanting at the end. Uh, whereas Ottoman Fleet, I'm not sure he was beating, you know, the best grass horses in New York and the race couldn't have fallen into his lap more easily. So if they're going to give you six to one on Warren Point and two to one on Ottoman Fleet, I think you're supposed to take Warren Point. I agree. I think, you know, the other question here is just about the distance. I think Warren Point very, very well suited to his mile and a quarter. Ottoman Fleet coming off the perfect trip. I'm not going to toss him, but I'm just not as sure his best form is going shorter with good trips. What about up to the mark in the distance? You guys don't have any concern that he might uh, get a little bit leg weary in those last four lengths. I'm not against him exactly, but that would be my hesitation to taking him at a, at a short price. Is there something specifically, Steve, that you're seeing in up to the marks tape or PPs that make you confident about the extra ground? Well, if you just watch his last race, I mean, if that race had been a furlong longer, he just would have won by twice as much. Uh, I mean, he this is not a speed horse who was slowing down. This was just a dominant horse uh, having his way with lesser rivals. Yeah, he put it to well, bed yeah. at the strides. I mean, you're at your, you know, outside of the fact that it's Charlie Appleby and it's Godolphin and it's See the Stars, like, you know, you, you got to have a, you kind of have a similar question. Um, about Ottoman Fleet, right? I mean, yes, the horse won 10 furlongs on soft, so you figure, yes, but like, but it's a different game here. Maybe it was the soft ground that actually is why it moved that horse up. What about 10 furlongs on firm ground against horses that want to hear their feet rattle? You know, yeah. I, I think that, you know, you're answering the, the question, the one horse that answers that question is Warren Point. You know that the distance isn't going to be a problem, but I don't know. When it comes to grass racing from nine furlongs to 10, I, I don't think there's a difference unless there is a unique pace scenario that then can call on to stamina or not stamina. And I think this one, yeah, pace-wise, it, it doesn't necessarily look on paper like it's going to be a particularly testing 10. It'll be interesting to see how that one turns out for sure. The Appleby runners in the U.S., they've not been doing their typical thing, but they could change in a hurry. I wonder, though, if he's had enough of a lack of success this year that we're not going to see those horses buried at the windows the way we saw some of them last year. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they bet or, this one. If, if, as long as they make silver tubes with wings and Aiden O'Brien and Charlie Appleby and, and uh, you know, Stout, they come over here, we can't control ourselves. We're going to bet them on the grass. <laughs> Let's talk about the big one, guys. The race that gives the day its name. It's the grade one. Belmont Stakes for these three-year-olds. We're going a mile and a half on the dirt. It's an interesting nine-runner field. JK, who are you picking to win? Oh, my God. I, I, I promise you I have no idea. <laughs> so I'm going to say it. I'll say it. I'll say it when I'm done, I, but I, I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of times in these situations when it comes to the Belmont Stakes, especially the way that the kind of Preakness gets skipped if you're not, you know, 
it gets skipped by a lot of horses. They want that extra time if they didn't win the Derby. Sometimes I like to just take a deep breath and say to myself, who did you like in the Derby? And did that horse do anything to make you not like them now? Because if you liked them, then you should like them now. So I start there. And, and so for me, it was, it was tap it trice. But then there's a situation where with the Forte and the Mage thing where like I didn't like how slow the race was, but I was still was going to play Forte if he ran just because I thought he was a classier, a classy horse. And then when Mage came back and ran as well as he did in the Derby, then I thought to myself, okay, I don't, if Forte runs in the Belmont, I don't have to worry about that slow number. He, he, he is that classy horse that I thought he was. Um, so there's those two horses that I think are, are extremely live. And then there's hit show who I hated the fact that he drew the rail, but I thought he ran extremely well despite that. And at certain points of the race, I thought maybe he was a winner. Um, so I'm between those three horses as my top pick. I'm, I'm going to pick tap it trice, but it's not one of those I'm singling everything I have into that horse. I'm going to use a lot. I, I mean, I have to have angel of empire who I thought was live in the Derby. Um, and I have to have national treasure who, who speed is so dangerous in these races. And you know what Bob's going to do, go to the front, go as fast as you can get comfortable on the front end. And if they let national treasure get comfortable, he could do what he did in the Preakness. I think this is a wide open race. But Tappet Trice will be my official top choice. Um, these Tappets love this extra distance. Uh, I thought he ran extremely well, considering how you know he, the the luck of the Derby. And and Todd obviously knows how to win this race. I, I like Tappet Trice. My line about Tappet Trice all along has been: if you just looked at the PP cut and took the name away, the horse just it look he looks like a Belmont winner. But knowing this horse and watching all his tape. Even though, you know, if he does succeed, if he does really step up, it's probably in a not terribly giant field around Belmont. I still have my doubts the price he's going to be. Oh, Steve, I, 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 I will say one thing real quick before we, before we go to Steve. Sorry, just real fast. I, I, no, I just want to remind people when it comes to Todd Pletcher, when you look at the past performance, and you can, and you can say this about Forte as well, Todd understands more than anyone else in this race, you have to be forward. Uh, Steve, I, I know you'll remember, he put Dunkirk, who was a dead closer, on the lead. He understands that being forward matters a lot. He will tell his riders to take his horses out of their comfort zone in this race and try to put them more forward. I think Tappet Trice will be a lot closer than he's been in his previous races. It's, it's, I mean, I get it, and we've seen, we've seen this movie before. Steve... What do you think we're going to see when they cross the finish line at Belmont uh, on Saturday around uh, 7.05? Uh, I think we're going to see one of the three favorites in the winner's circle. Uh, I wish I had an interesting idea in this race. I like to have interesting ideas in the Belmont. I, I just don't see one. Uh, I mean, I think Ford Tappet Trice and Angel of Empire tower over the field. Uh I gave Hit Show a, a try in the Derby. I didn't love the way he ran. I have trouble seeing him getting the mile and a half. I mean, Red Route won. You know, he's just a few lengths behind these horses. And, and to me, the rest have no chance at all. Um, I, I think that, you know, JK's right. The Tampa Trice is going to be closer because uh, Todd understands the race. The horse I'm very much against is National Treasure. Uh, you know, when people say, well, he can do what he did in the Preakness. What does that mean? Like run slow with a perfect trip and hold <laughs> off blazing sevens. Who's not very good. So, I mean, to me, he's the horse to play against. I still don't have an interesting horse at a price. First of all, Steve, massive props to you for pronouncing Ford correctly without the diacritical that isn't there that I can't resist saying every time I, I say it. But I guess I'm not I'm not alone in that. I, it, are you are you just being stubborn with that, or are you just you, you're just that big of a fan of the English language that you you're you're not going to let this uh, th th this trend that everybody's picked up uh, sway you in this direction? I mean, it's the correct pronunciation. Uh, I, I don't apologize for pronouncing his name correctly. Uh, you know, may the force say be with you. Would you like a Windsor <laughs> torque? 
I mean, just because there's an E at the end doesn't mean you pronounce it. It's <laughs> fantastic. And my Star Wars loving child was very excited by that, by that reference as well. The, the horse that you guys haven't mentioned that I want to talk about is uh, the number three, Archangelo. I give this horse some count. Not only is this blood that I really like going the mile and a half, but I just thought that race the last time was a big, big improvement. And I love the fact, you know, this is an angle we often talk about in turf racing, the closing into slow fractions. But for a horse just making the fourth start of the light of the lifetime with this kind of blood in a pace that could heat up, you guys obviously do think I'm nuts by by putting this one forward. And, and the eight to one of the morning line isn't as exciting as the 12 and 14 to one that have been around internationally. But is it really so crazy to think this horse could could step up if this three year old group, uh, you know, if some of these others find wanting in terms of uh, the distance and or class? Do you, you think that's a crazy notion, Steve? I, I'd sort of prefer to see him in the Woody Stevens. I, I mean, I think he's a, a talented horse. I don't know that you know, out nodding Bishop's Bay, who's, you know, pure speed and doesn't want more than a mile, gets you in the winter circle going a mile and a half. Uh, but, you know, for a fourth career start, it's a, it's a more than respectable a- effort. Do you give that one any shot, Jonathan? No, not really. I mean, I think, you know, I'm going to piggyback on Steve's point in, in whether you like National Treasure or not. Let's just throw him into the conversation. I think there's four horses in here that are that are better than Archangelo, right? I think Tappet Trice is better. Uh, arguably national treasure uh, f- for Fort. <laughs> Fort. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Jonathan, you're going to be on national TV. You can buck the trend and say this name correctly. No, no, no. There's no way I'm going to let Andy Serling have that victory because he's been calling it Fort, but then Mike Rapoli said it's Forte and he owns the horse. So I'm not giving, I can't give, I can't give that victory to Andy. But my point is that is my, 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 it's, uh, it's thin white dookie. <laughs> that's very different that sounds like that's a medical condition that's not that's a amazing medical. that's amazing so Andy, the two tap- probably just got it from steve i'm just gonna point I, that out he probably stole it. the the two tap at trice the four national treasure the six horse and the eight angel of empire i think are all better than archangelo so all four of them have to not show up for him to win and i think to steve's point too about bishop's bay is um, I got to be honest with you. I, 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 I know that Brad really liked Bishop's Bay that day. And I was very frustrated with Florence ride that day. Cause I thought he was like overly patient doing that kind of cute. Wait, 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 hurry up and ask your horse. And I was talking to John Panagot, Florence agent. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I think Flo might've should have opened up. And he said, well, the instructions are that that horse will pull up when he makes the lead. He, he stops himself. So you flow is waiting to the last possible minute. So that even makes me less excited about that. Archangelo beat him. Cause I think he just beat him. Cause he kind of pulled himself up a little bit. Um, look, that's a lot of speculation. It's just, a, I, but I don't like Archangelo that much anyways. So I'll take any excuse I can get. I've bet him at the UK prices. I bet hit show as well. Hit show for me. I just thought ran really well, given the post, given attending the pace. I, I just think he's deserving another chance. Just another one. You know, this is one of the races where I'll really let blood, you know, influence influence my opinion. And that's, you know, sort of where I am with the six runner. Not 100 percent sure. I, I wasn't 100 percent sure if he wanted to go a mile and a quarter, let alone a mile and a half. I don't love the plan C aspect for a horse. that's going to be the favorite. And I just I don't know. I mean, Tapatrice. I'm certainly going to have some some Fort and some Tapatrice on tickets here, but I think the interesting ones for me at the prices are going to be the three and the seven. We'll see how it plays out. And I also wouldn't be shocked if Angel of Empire um, kicks sand in my face, but I felt like he went there to win the race and just wasn't quite good enough. And I don't know that the blinkers on is going to, is going to be, uh, be the difference for a horse. Again, I just, I just, maybe I'm overrating the blood, but I just don't know how far some of these, these horses want to go. It's going to be super fun though. To no, see it. And, 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 and I will say this too. And, 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 you know, and, um, this is a, a, a thing that, you know, I'll, I'll say it again. I've always said it. Steve's book, exotic betting changed mind. It's the most important horse racing book I ever read. And, and it's, and it didn't help me pick winners. There's a hundred other books that taught me to do that a little bit better, but it taught me that this is a betting game. So you, 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 you have to look at it 
as a wager, as a bet and, and what opportunities it provides. And this is one of those situations where there's sometimes where American Pharaoh or justify or a tonalist or a horse that you love is running on the Belmont and you can single and have this strong opinion and try to get alive to that horse. And, and that's the way that the structure, the ticket structure can kind of be built. This is a situation where I don't have that strong opinion in this year's Belmont. I'm going to use, I'm going to try to get alive to five horses and I'm going to try to do that with horses like Cody's wish and big invasion, getting me through the meat of the sequence. Um, and you can score out just the same. I can promise you when you hand your ticket to the teller, they're not going to ask you who you loved in the Belmont and you tell them tap it trice and angel of empire one. They're still going to cast your ticket. How do you balance that Steve as somebody who's so known for betting strategy, but also somebody who gives opinions in a, in a, in a strong manner. Is that, is it hard for you to, to sort of square that circle in your role as a, as a public horse player between the way to bet and also being somebody who gives out, you know, quote unquote picks. No, I, I don't find it problematic. I mean, I, I play the same way, whether it's Belmont Day or, or a Wednesday. Uh, and, you know, ideally you get alive to the last leg of one of these things. I mean, you've got the three A's who are supposed to win and you've got everybody else as a C just in case something stupid happens. Uh, you know, if you've been able to get home, maybe a couple of singles and, and a horse you have a big opinion about earlier. I mean, if you're super smart five times in a row you know don't be stubborn uh, and not use a horse as a c in the last leg but you know my my a's are going to be the horses i really like that's the way i was taught to do it steve by you and the way we do it today we we got an occasional skirmishes with the ev police about you know well why would you ever include a favorite that you don't think is going to be value in in a bet like the pick six and for me, it's just because the pick six is its own ecosystem. And just because a horse is an underlay in the wind pool doesn't mean that the right combination of that horse in a bet like the pick six can't provide excellent value. Is that just, just win, you know, yeah. just just get there. We have some nice comments here. We've got we're going to give some shout outs to uh, Joseph, who's made some nice comments here. Uh, Richard, we've got some people saying that they miss you giving picks regularly we have people saying jk congrats to you on your recent nuptials here's a specific horse question about nice ring about slow down andy does does anybody give slow down andy a uh, a, a shot um yeah sure i mean he ran well against cody's wish in the breeders cup but this is <laughs> it's a tough race off a long break right um I mean, how do you make up the gap between him and, and Cody's wish? Uh, you know, do you know something he's supposed to improve five lengths tomorrow? I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess it. he had, I, I mean, I Hard guess he had some trouble. I, I guess he had some trouble, but, but that's, he had some trouble on a race that he was, that he was in the middle of a season getting fully primed up for. So you, you got to think he's not going to be as sharp here today as he was that day. And I so to me the trouble and the layoff cancel each other out. Um, right. Just like just like a, in a situation where a horse is wide, but the pace is fast. So yes, you lost a lot of ground, but you got to set up. They cancel each other out. So to me, this is a situation where his layoff and his trouble cancels them out. I, 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 I mean, I've seen crazier things happen, but I don't, I don't love the horse. Shout out to Michael and Daniel and Jackson, who I got to meet at the Pick Your Prize contest, flew all the way from the West Coast in and uh, just completing his school year. He's done a great job for us over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. He has a question about the Woody Stevens. Anybody have any thoughts, positive or negative, on victory formation in this in this race? Jonathan, you look like you have an opinion. Yeah, this is one of those situations when you see it and you, you see the name, you're like, oh, that's the horse that – in March, I said, needs to cut back. But, yes, he needs to cut back. But I don't think that the answer was cutting back in the grade one Woody Stevens against Drew's Gold, Fort Bragg, General Jim, and Arabian Lion. Yes, I, I think this is exactly what this horse needs to do. But I, I, I'm not sure he's quite fast enough to do what other horses are also doing, which is cutting back, that are faster than him, if, if that makes sense. 
Sounds about right to me, Steve. Any additional thoughts on victory formation in there? Yeah, you know, I I kept coming back to him, and because I spent a lot of time on this race, I think it's the most difficult race on the card. Um, and and there there is something appealing about him. I mean, to run the race that he did in the uh, story Bathhouse Row last time out, uh, I thought that was a very good effort. It, it was a square pace. He'd been off a couple of months, and you know. To me, when you you write your chapter about turnback horses, this is what they look like. Um, so, you know, if Arabian Lion doesn't just trounce the field uh, and if Drew's Golds can't wire it, I think he might have a shot to at least hit the board. All right. Interesting. A little bit of encouragement there. You know, those turnbacks definitely uh, that can be the kind of horse that, you know, you, on certain combinations you want to leave horses open maybe that's a horse to to leave open and your widest of, of spreads uh, we talked about this a little bit before but trish who's a loyal uh listener and viewer wants to know if there's any worry about uh any of this racing getting postponed with the weather in nyc from what i've seen if anything tomorrow's in i don't know 20 percent jeopardy maybe a little bit more just with all the other cancellations happening. But I really don't think from what I've seen, if the reports that I've seen are correct, we're going to have any problem with Friday and Saturday. And I mean, just looking out the window now, it looks better than it did an hour ago. So I'm yeah. hoping we're going to be good to go for these big days tomorrow. Um, I, what do you think, Jonathan? Pete, you and I, we always retweet Marshall Sterling, um, yes. grade one handicapping. He, he is uh, by trade. I, I don't know if his exact title is a meteorologist, but – what he studies his weather. And in fact, the first time he, he actually came and, and we had a beer in Austin seven years ago, eight years ago. And I was like, what do you do? And he like told me that he tracks the winds for forest fires. So That's this like is what he like, does. This is his bailiwick. And so he basically said that the wind is going to change. It should improve the scenario overnight. Um, I've also, I don't have the best insight, but Naira is very optimistic that there, everything's going to be fine tomorrow. All right. That's good. That's very good to hear. Yes. Yeah, some tracks are very quickly uh, pulling the ripcord, but obviously it's a little bit different for, <laughs> um, for, 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 uh, you know, New York on such a big day. Thomas has the ticket, uh, your ticket construction DVD, Steve, and says he still watches it from time to time. Is that Thank still you. in print? Can we get, can we get that somewhere? I, I think I have a box in my basement. If you can. <laughs> We might we might have to put, uh, put on some kind of sale. All profits uh, going to to you slash whatever uh, whatever charity you choose. I don't think I ever saw the DVD. I think I need to check that out. Um, that's pretty funny. Let's see. Uh, Joseph chiming in here. Uh, some nice thank yous. Um, lots of good stuff. Ah, uh, Reagan Swinbank, who I know you're your pals with, J.K. wants to know if we can see an upset in the Ogden Phipps. What's he getting at? Oh yeah, he, he's uh, rooting for Pass the Champagne. Sure, look, like I've I've told them, and I'll say it again. She, if she showed us who she was when she lost by a nose to Malathat in the in the Ashland, and then she kind of stopped showing us who she was. And I think last time she kind of showed back up and showed she's a good horse. She's gonna have to get better. She have to improve, and she's gonna need some things that kind of go her way. But I wouldn't be shocked if she won. Here's a race that I didn't prep you guys for. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the Brooklyn yet, but we got a question about if we're going to see the the real version of Lone Rock turn up on Saturday. That's an interesting race, the Brooklyn. It's salty. Um, I don't know. It's hard with Lone Rock, right? He's eight years old. He just threw in a not great race on the heels of a of kind of a by his own high standards meh race. I. You know, I don't. I don't think I'd want to plan my day around it. Do either of you guys have strong thoughts on Lone I, Rock in the Brooklyn? I, I mean, I, I love Lone Rock. Um, when I got second in the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge at Del Mar, there was an all-in move on Lone Rock. I, I, I'm a huge fan, um, and I love his owners as well. I, I thought on April second in the Temperance Hill that he was going to run well and win. Um, Maggie had talked about how he looked a little bit healthier than he did. When he before he went to the layoff, and he came back and he just just kind of let me down a little bit, and then she thought at Churchill that he looked even better, and and that he just really looked like he, and he just I just I I worry that he might be done. Did you look at the Brooklyn at all, Steve? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I did. I I have the same fear that 
you know, this, I mean, this horse ran like 11 races in a row that were pretty similar. And I, I didn't see anything happen in the Churchill race. And, you know, it just had that look of a, of a horse who, who might be done. Uh, it'd be great if he came back to his best form. But uh, absent an excuse, I'm not expecting that to happen. We have oh, some people don't even know what's going on with the weather. Chris, another, uh, you know, member of the in the money family is asking about the smoke situation. Yeah, it's these wildfires in Montreal. And we've seen it for a few days now, but it was more like at dusk. You know, the sky was a little orange. And then last night um, when we, you know, we, I went to walk around the block to in, try to tell Marshall Graham that his parking space was legal. And I, I came back feeling like I'd, I'd smoked two packs of cigarettes. It was like a crazy, um, you know, it, it was almost like there was a fire down the block. You, you couldn't believe that this was something that was happening in Quebec. And then this morning it was a little bit better, got worse throughout the day. But again, apparently getting better now. And then we are hoping um, that it's going to uh, it's going to blow over and uh, and and not cause us any hassle. And we actually have a report. I'll be ready. I'll be there ready. Inhaler, that's good. Sill, who's another first person we've had the pleasure of hanging out with at Saratoga, another longtime listener, says the weather's already better in Montreal. No, no smoke up there. So I think we're going to be okay. That's how we're going to put it. All right. Now this is just silly because there's somebody, I guess. I, I may, he may, he may, Jack may need to get his vision checked because he thinks Andy Beyer is on the panel tonight. But but his question I will is interesting enough that for a historian of the game like Steve Christ, I will ask who you would like at uh, at ten furlongs cigar versus easy goer. Why well, easy goer? But uh, I mean, I'm gonna prefer easy goer to, to anyone because uh, he's my favorite horse. Uh, that's that's not necessarily a reasoned or thoughtful analysis. <laughs> I mean, at ten, that feels about right. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to go against him if we get if we can have the sweeping turns of uh, of New York uh, in the mix. <laughs> Here we go. We have some folks in the comments correcting things as well. Great stuff. Really enjoyed this. Thanks to everybody who commented. Thanks so much to producer AJ. Steve, JK, it's always just such a blast. I can't believe I get to call this work hanging out with you guys. Um, Fox, big Fox to watch the Belmont on Saturday. You can also check out, we have a little pretty link. Anytime you want to know, people ask me, oh, sometimes the, the channel changes. If you want to know when America's Day at the Races is on, just go to inthemoneypodcast.com slash TV. You can catch up with JK and Andy Serling and Maggie Wolf and Alan Acacia and the rest of the fantastic team over there. And uh, that's the best way to follow along. There's a lot of great two day wagers as well. Some actually Thursday start Thursday. We created a pretty link for a, a link to that as well. If you go to in the money slash two day bets, that's T W O D A Y bets. You can look at all of those. Maybe JK, you and I will do something at some other point. Um, looking specifically at some of those. Cause they, there's all kinds of different terms. You have some with higher minimums, lower minimums, lower takeouts. Very interesting. Definitely worth for a serious horse player to dive in and take a look at some of that stuff. Uh, the two day pick six in particular, pretty, uh, Pretty darn interesting. I think that's a that might be a twenty cent, but with a fifteen percent takeout, and because it's a two day bet, might keep some of that computer money for making that twenty cent minimum too efficient. So that, that's worth taking a look at. Two races Friday and four on Saturday. Uh, I'll give you guys each a chance to give us a closing thought before I fully throw this away. Steve, we'll we'll start with you. Any closing thoughts on this uh, Belmont Day card or this Belmont Stakes Racing Festival? Well, I mean, not to be a Pollyanna, but this is some car to racing. Uh, I mean, you know, outside of the Breeders' Cup, uh, I think this is clearly the second best day of, of racing all year. Other than the Breeders' Cup, I can't remember a card with six consecutive grade one races, uh, you know, unless it's a, another year. Uh, and a, a lot of great dirt racing, which uh, isn't too popular these days, but dirt racing is what racing and breeding is all about. Uh, I can't wait to see some of these races. A lot of good stuff. Great stuff. We got to bring you on to have an industry issues talk sometime soon, Steve. I almost went there making some quip about, you know, just four horses from the Derby running back in the five weeks. But that's a conversation for another time. JK, how about you? Any closing thoughts for us today? 
Um, yeah, you know, look, uh, I, I agree. Uh, outstanding racing. Um, FS1, there's a, a there's a show. FS1 and Fox will be congruent. So if you want the kind of normal show that you get every day with us at Saratoga, that's going to be on FS1. And then there's going to be another broadcast on Fox, kind of like a Manning cast, as it were. Um, I'm going to be on both. So make sure you tune in to both. And uh, don't forget about the Belmont Stakes Challenge. Uh, $5,000 buy-in. You got to sign up Thursday by 5 o'clock, though. It's a two-day contest. should be pretty good. Um, and, yeah, it's, 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 it's always a fun weekend of racing. Going to be great stuff. Looking forward to it. Steve, thank you so much. JK, thank you so much. AJ, we'll thank you again. Most of all, though, want to thank all of you, the listeners, the viewers, for making these shows so much fun to do. Special shout-out for our founding partners, too. Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation, the great work they do with the Second Chances program. Investigate more about that, trfinc.org slash players. And, of course, 10 Strike Racing. It was a great day today hanging out with Marshall out at uh, the Brooklyn Cyclone Stadium, um, trying to be able to find a few pockets of air to breathe, which we were able to do. Nice walk-off win in the bottom of the ninth for the Cyclones. Good, fun stuff. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May you win all your Belmont Stakes Day photos.